part six of our presentation of Brigham Young's Plural Wives, next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Quite some time ago, we had a viewer who suggested that we do a profile of each of Brigham Young's wives, that in doing so, perhaps the LDS who have romanticized Mormon pioneer yeah. polygamy, uh, or even today's fundamentalists who present it as a high and holy principle, perhaps in doing this they will see the depths of disconnection and misery and poverty and loneliness that plural marriages produces. And so we've been doing that, and this is the sixth presentation of his wives. And sadly, little information is available about a lot of them. Yeah. So we just mention them, honorable mention kind of thing, and then go on. Um, and please know that this is not a, a pretentious or historical comprehensive biography of each wife. It's merely an overview. Mm. And, and, and ama what amazes me as I was going through some of these unknown women is that um, most of them were unknowns. Most of them people don't even recognize their names when you mention them. They're hidden away in historical mm. fluff or whatever it is. And worse, it has removed Jesus as Savior and replaced his work of redemption with the pain and the sacrifice of plural marriage. Now, PBS has done documentaries on Mormonism and on early Mormon polygamy, and we want to quote from one of their online articles. Of all the Mormon doctrines, none caused as much controversy as polygamy, called plural marriage or celestial marriage within the church. It divided Prophet Joseph Smith's own household caused a schism in his church, and brought the wrath of many Americans down on the Mormons for decades to come. Okay, and that'd be true. Yes, it is. Now, they mentioned that Joseph Smith claimed that God had told him polygamy was not adultery <laughs> if practiced by his divine command. <laughs> they can always say, thus saith so the Lord, so right? So convenient, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> uh, That's right. Um, but that the women were to be eternally sealed to the same man, and many of them doing this, it would be perfectly okay. But teaching that polygamy was commanded by God, but was only for a precious few people, is calling God a liar, because God shows no favoritism. He says that over and over and over again in the Bible. Besides that, there's only one way, one door to heaven, and God hasn't hidden it away from anyone, so like they hid polygamy. <laughs> if this was a command from God, why was it kept secret? Uh, why would God command something that was against biblical principles and it was illegal in every geographical location that the Mormons lived? Not only did they keep it a secret, they denied it. If God really commanded it, why are they dodging? We quote again from the PBS article. The polygamy doctrine was not publicly acknowledged until 1852. Plural marriage was not for everyone. In fact, at most, 20 to 30 percent of Mormons would ever practice it more among the church leadership than the regular members. Hmm. But if commanded to take other wives by God in the church, an obedient Mormon was expected to comply. Smith himself may have taken as many as 30 wives, some of whom were married to other men. That's a pretty honest statement, mm -hmm. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. He took more than as many as 30 wives. He took a documented 34 and mm. possibly more than that. Yeah. Now, several... Um, 
fellow Mormon men questioned the plural marriage revelation. In fact, one of the three witnesses uh, to the Book of Mormon accused Joseph Smith of of adultery. And there were other fallout from among his peers, and eventually it all led to Joseph Smith's murder. Brigham Young followed in Joseph Smith's footsteps, taking 56 wives. We haven't discussed Anne Eliza Young yet, but she left him and set up an anti-polygamy lectures all around the country. We quote. Yes, that's again still from the PBS uh, production. Mm-hmm. Anne Eliza, Eliza later sued for divorce and gave popular anti-polygamy lectures before such luminaries as President Ulysses S. Grant And Emma Smith, the prophet's wife, was kept in the dark about several of his relationships. She was first informed of the polygamy doctrine not by Joseph, but by his brother Hiram. Although she initially vacillated on the subject, Emma soon turned against plural marriage, even threatening Smith with divorce. After he was killed and many Mormons moved west, Emma remained in Illinois and joined the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which was headed by her son Joseph III and rejected polygamy. So again, if this was command of God, why all of these yeah. back and forth? So and, and many Mormon church members doubted polygamy. Many left the church because of it. Yeah. But their reaction to it was nothing compared to the non-Mormons' reaction to it. One more quote from the PBS article. So interesting. It was denounced along with save slavery as a twin relic of barbarism by the Republican Party in 1856, not an accidental linkage because opponents considered plural marriage a form of white slavery that degraded women. Polygamy also drew the attention and criticism of numerous novelists, even figuring in the first Sherlock Holmes adventure. In 1862, the Morrell Act criminalized plural marriage, though President Abraham Lincoln declined to enforce its provisions. In his words, Mormons were like a log, too hard to split, too wet to burn, and too heavy to move. (laughs) And with the Civil War raging, Lincoln had more pressing issues. (laughs) That's quite a statement about them, isn't it? Yeah. And, of course, um, the Civil War ended in 1865, and, and, and uh, Abraham Lincoln was killed in April That's of 1865. Right. And so he was unable to turn his attention <laughs> back to these uh, hard, wet Mormons Mormon. <laughs> uh, and their lawless activities. Now, despite various threats from the United States government during the years after they came to Utah, it doesn't seem like there was very much of anything that just caused Brigham Young to stress no, unless no. one of his wives wanted to spend some of his money. Uh, <laughs> certainly the threats of the United States government or the courts didn't seem didn't to seem cause him, him any no. dismay. Until his death, Brigham Young teached and preached prejudicial doctrines that blacks were cursed, and he promised godhood to all those who practiced plural marriage. So this is our sixth in our series, presenting each of his 56 wives. This time we begin with his 34th wife, Amy Cecilia Cooper was her name. Brigham married her on February 3rd of 1846. In fact, on that day, February 3rd, he took five new wives, plural wives, that so on that same day. Isn't that awful? Yeah. He took two wives a week later, February 10th, on the same day. Wow. And then he waited a year and a month <laughs> before he took another plural wife. 
So, February 3rd, 1846, 41-year-old Amelia Cecilia Cooper married Brigham Young, who was 44 years old. She had been married to Joseph Aldrich, probably a non-Mormon man. They separated, and he remarried later, and there's no indication of a legal divorce between the two of them, whether they were or weren't. Mm. She was born in 1804 and died in 1852 on the plane, so she was between Nauvoo and Salt Lake City, so it must have been something that I don't no details just something that she died on the plains and with so many of his wives like we said there's very little information uh, that we could find out about her so wife number 35 married that same day February 3rd 1846 uh, Brigham Young still 44 years old married 42 year old Mary Ellen de la Montaigne. I don't know if you say that right. but That sounds about right. It would be French, um, I guess. She had been married and divorced from James Woodward. But she and Brigham Young got divorced December 13th, 1846. And then she remarried her first husband, Woodward. <laughs> and then both Woodward and Mary Ellen were adopted to Brigham Young in Nauvoo. Both of them? Uh, both of them. <laughs> so we quote from Jenny.com. Mary Ellen Woodward applied to the Nauvoo High Council in about 1844 for a divorce from James B. Woodward, her Mormon husband, on grounds of physical cruelty to her and their three three children. After she was sealed to Brigham Young, James persuaded her to come back to him, and by her request, Brigham Young granted a divorce. However, her letter to Brigham Young on 25 February 1847 asks, If I do all I can, and after this he treats me bad, will you let me leave him and live with my children? (laughs) I assume with him, probably, huh? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, he had okay divorces, yeah. not just his own. Oh. Um, in fact, the first documented divorce in polygamy was Mary oh, Ellen from Brigham Young. She had hmm. been his plural wife for less than a year, and evidently the separation was amicable. Brigham Young advised her to come to him for help if ever her and her children were hungry, so hmm. that was fine. She died in San Bernardino, California at the age of 89. Wow. And wife number 36 was Julia Foster, who married married him again February 3rd. She was 36 years old, and he was still 44 years old. We quote. She entered the LDS Church in 1833. She was baptized by President Brigham Young and married by him to Jonathan Hampton at Kirtland, Ohio. Three of her children were born in Ohio. She emigrated to Missouri, where she passed through the privations encountered by the saints in that state, From there, she went to Illinois and witnessed all the trials previous to the Exodus. And in 1844, her husband, Jonathan Hampton, died and was buried at Nauvoo. Now, this is kind of strange, and it kind of surprised me when I discovered this, that she didn't come west with the Mormons Hmm. when they left for Utah. But curiously, over 10 years later, Brigham Young sent for her and and for her to come to Utah. And she did and managed his lion house for him. Oh my goodness. Now, 10 years absent, and then he, she's placed in, uh, I don't know if this was a carrot that he was holding in front of her. I'll let you manage our, all the hair at my harem if you come or what. But there's a picture of the lion house there on the screen, and it is the, the place where 
a big, big home. It's just still in downtown Salt Lake City. Hmm. And uh, he she must have impressed he him a lot. Must something. have <laughs> something about her would yeah. cause him to do that. But he kept all of his not all of his wives, but a lot of his wives in that home, and they each had a room where they they she and her children lived. Yeah. And I guess he could go from room to room to meet and, and greet each wife. I don't know, but she did. Meet she and greet. <laughs> she came and, and managed the lighthouse for him, which would have been quite a job, actually. Yeah, sure. And she died at the age of 79, and she had remained a faithful member of the Mormon Church all during that time. Wow. So wife number 37, again married on February 3rd, 1846. She was 55-year-old Abigail Harback, and he was 44. So mm. we have a difference in the age quite a bit here yeah. of only... Only she was the older one this time. Hmm. Uh, Abigail had been married to John Calvin Hall, and it's not known if she was widowed, divorced, or separated from him. I, I couldn't find that information out. In fact, scant information could be found out about her. One source noted that she had nine children, but they couldn't have been by Brigham Young because she, he, she was 55 years old when she was married mm -hmm. to him. And it was probably a ceiling, just a ceiling yeah. rather than a time. For time only or something. Yeah. So wife number 38 was Mary Ann Turley. She was 44. He was 44, and she was 18. So yeah. now we have the scales tipped the other direction. A little direction. more normal. For the <laughs> yeah. This was her first marriage, and it was his 38th marriage. But they were divorced in 1851. Hmm. Now, again, going through some of these wives and, and the details about it, Thing, little thoughts enter my mind, and one of my thoughts was, so many of these eternal marriages just don't seem to last very long, do they? I wonder if that was just an understanding that if she finds somebody else or is unhappy with him, that he'll grant a divorce. I was surprised that he even allowed any divorces, including that first one, Mary Ellen's. But he granted almost all the divorces that came along. In fact, he made along. a lot of money from divorces because he charged each person <laughs> that wanted a divorce. Uh, what ten dollars? I think it was ten. I'm not positive. I'd have to double check that. But in that in those days, that was a lo yeah. lot more money than it is today. Had more more women than money, so <laughs> yeah. trade them off, I guess. Huh? Uh, we quote uh, about her. We quote from a Pat family page on the internet. Okay, a month before Mary Mary Ann's twelfth birthday, her father completed the first home built by a Latter Day Saint in Commerce, Illinois, later named Nauvoo. And in February of 1846, 18-year-old Mary Ann was sealed as a plural wife to Brigham Young. They later divorced. Shortly after her sealing, Mary Ann left Nauvoo with the rest of the Turley family and traveled westward across Iowa. They resided in Winter Quarters, Nebraska, for a couple of years, where Mary Ann experienced the deaths of her mother and older sister. Three days before her 22nd birthday, Mary Ann began her journey to the Rocky Mountains with her father, stepmother, and several younger siblings. They arrived in the Salt Lake Valley on 25 October 1849. Okay, and then uh, again, very little other than this is known on the life um, or her life as a Mormon yeah. or as one of Brigham Young's eternal wives. She married him in Nauvoo and she came west with the Utah pioneers, but divorced him five years later. So something wasn't right. Strange. But she died in Ventura, California at the age of 77 years old. Hmm. His 39th wife was Naima Carter. Uh, they married February 6th, 1846. She was 24 and he was 44. 
She was born in Massachusetts, and she had married a man by the name of John Sanderson Twiss, mm. but he died shortly after they were married, so she was widowed early. Uh, and I could find no information how she met and married Brigham Young, but he was 20 years her senior, and they were married in Nauvoo. She died in September of 1868 in Salt Lake City, so obviously she came west with the pioneers. Sure. Well, how she died or was unspecified, uh, so obviously... Uh, the immigration, you know, is in Salt Lake. She stayed here. Obviously, the immigration must have suited her. But that's all I could find out about her. Hmm. Brigham Young's 40th wife. Now, who would ever dream we're talking about a man with 40 wives? Who would great, ever dream crazy. that we would do that? And but we're only partway there, too. <laughs> you are only partway there. <laughs> right. Brigham Young's 40th wife, she was 65-year-old woman named Nancy Cressy. Hmm. And he, again, was 44. They were married February 6, 1846. She was born in 1780, died in 1871 at 91 years old. She lived to be a good old age. She was 65 years old, 21 years older than he was. And again, we can only surmise that this was merely a celestial ceiling rather than a marriage for time. And we don't have the marriage vows, so we don't know if the word time was even used in it. Nancy had married Oliver Walker when she was 23 years old, and they had had 11 children together, and then she was widowed. Now, this summarizes what we could discover about her. We found nothing out about her personal reasons for being married to Brigham Young or what the marriage was like. You wouldn't, like you've said before, you, it's just surprising that there's so little information of people that are marrying the prophet of the church. You would mm-hmm. have thought he kept better records or... Had mm-hmm. some kind of, uh, and maybe he did, and they're just not out there for for, for the public to for us to delve into very deeply. Uh, we maybe I don't she know. She wrote some bad things or something. And again, <laughs> and again, I didn't go to all of the secret sure. places where they keep yeah. the things. You know, um, I don't didn't right. this, like I said. This is not a, a deep biogra- biographical history of each one, mm-hmm. but I did do internet searches, and sure. it was difficult to find anything about some of them. Wow. So his 41st wife was 26-year-old Jane Terry. He was 44. They were married February 10th. Jane was a widow young, but he was no relation to Brigham Young. Jane was on her deathbed when she requested to be sealed to Brigham Young, and she died four days later. Oh. Wow, huh? Again, we asked the question we just talked about um, in view of the fact that there were a great number of Brigham Young's wives that are unknown, very little information uh, is available about them. Some of them just fade away, forgotten people, unknown to most of us. But like you said, Earl, they were the prophet's wives. Why aren't they enshrined, yeah. uh, lifted up, honored, taught about, used as examples for holy and righteous polygamy today? Instead, they just disappear, unknown, into the past, mm. silenced, unrecognized. And for the most part, actually, their lifestyle has been denied and censured. It doesn't make any sense, does it? No. The, the way they hold their prophets up so high and mighty, why not these all these women who sacrificed so much mm-hmm. to do what they preached? And they did. Brigham Young's 42nd wife was Lucy Bigelow. She was either 16 or 17 years old. He was 45, almost three times older than she was. It was her first marriage, and it was his 42nd. They had three children together, and this is not a pretty story. Oh, boy. Her parents, 
that would be Lucy Bigelow, <clears throat> joined the church in April of 1838 while she was but a child of eight years. She was baptized and moved with her family to Hancock County, Illinois. As a faithful member of the church, she attended the dedication of the Nauvoo Temple. The family left Nauvoo at the time of the general exodus of the people, and when about 17 years of age, she was married to President Brigham Young in March of 1847 and arrived in the Salt Lake Valley with members of the family in September of 1848. Lucy moved into the Lion House in 1855 before it was finished and remained there until President Young moved her and her family to St. George. Lucy Bigelow Young lived from 1878 to 1891 in a house purchased for her by him. Okay, so we're going to get into this story a little more deeply, and it's a little bit, makes you kind of cringe yeah, a little bit. It does. Uh, Brigham Young married mother and daughter sets, yeah. as well as sisters, sets of sisters, as rival wives, which was something God prohibited in Leviticus chapter 18. Now, one of the sister sets that he married was Lucy's sister, Lucy Bigelow, and her sister, Mary Jane Bigelow, uh, who was his 43rd wife. Now, Lucy and Mary Jane were married to Brigham Young on the same day, March 14, 1847. Now, there's more about Mary Jane after our discussion of Lucy. Lucy uh, was a devoted pearl wife to Brigham Young after they were married, but she didn't want to marry him in the first place. <laughs> they had three children together, all daughters. The oldest daughter was Eudora, and she became the wife of Wilfred Woodruff, who became the fourth president of the Mormon Church. Now, it was a big deal both then and now for a man to marry the leader's daughter. Sure. Lucy moved with her family to Nauvoo in 1845. She was attractive. She got the attention of several young marriageable and single young men. Uh, her parents had rejected one man. His name was David Ward. And another, another man who wanted to marry her died from the measles before he and Lucy could get married. We quote from another historical account. When the Bigelows settled in Winter Quarters, Iowa, following the exodus from Nauvoo, Lucy and her older sister Mary were courted by a brother Wicks who wanted them both as wives. Lucy, a lively and impetuous girl, had often remarked that she would never marry a married man, and Mary did not seem inclined to accept Wicks' proposal either. So persistent was the suitor that Nahum Bigelow finally sought the Council of Brigham Young. Okay, they, he, she, he needed some help. Yeah, sounds like. <laughs> so Lucy said she'd never married a married man, and then she ended up marrying the most married of all married men, <laughs> Brigham Young himself. Old Brigham saw an opportunity when it hit him in the face, too. The girl's father had took the problem of Wick's desire to marry the sisters to Brigham, <laughs> and Brigham not only stopped Wick's persistent pursuit of the girls, but got into the ring himself and became their bridegroom. We quote again. Before many days, the president came in and spent the evening chatting. Knowing his especial errand, the family quietly got out of the way, leaving him a few moments alone with Mary. I understand Brother Wicks wishes to have you and your sister Lucy sealed to him. What are your feelings in regard to this matter? Do you want him for a husband? No, sir, I don't think I do, the girl timidly and quietly replied. Well, is there anyone you do want? The sisters ought to have their choice in the matter, for they can choose but one. I don't know of anyone, thank you, President Young. Well, now then, how would you like me for a husband, Mary? <laughs> 
I can't tell, sir. Take your own time to think it over, and you may ask your sister Lucy the same question I have asked you. If you girls would like to be sealed to me, you can tell me whenever you're decided on the matter. <laughs> little sales pitch there. Huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Lucy didn't want to marry Brigham Young, but she was afraid to say no. Now, this is typical, even, yeah, to, even as, in today's. As a leader, yeah. um, in fact, she wished something would happen to relieve her of the necessity of having to say no to the president of the church, but she had decided not to say yes. Her sister, Mary, had decided that she would say yes and pressured Lucy into an answer. She said Brigham, wa Brigham wants his answer, and she herself was going to be sealed to him the following week. But Lucy was still not interested. Uh, this goes on. So another week drifted by, and on Sunday evening, Mary and Lucy happened to be alone in the living room when in walked the president. Well, Lucy, have you made up your mind whether to be sealed to me or not? Yes, sir, faltered the little coward, and her fate was sealed forever. So it happened the 14th day of March, 1846, in the evening of that day, President Young, accompanied by elders Heber C. Kimball, Willard Richards, and Ezra T. Benson, came down to the Bigelows, and after chatting a few moments, the two girls, Mary and Lucy, stood up and were sealed to Brigham Young for time and all eternity. Mary stood next to him, and after she was sealed, he put her, her arm in his, then took Lucy's hand, and she was sealed. Nothing was known of this except to the few interested parties. What a scene. The girls themselves, clad in dark homespun and decked only in the sweet, faint blushes of innocence, Brother Heber C. Kimball officiated, the other two acting as witnesses. After the ceremony, they all resumed their conversation, and shortly after, the brethren went away. Oh, the romance <laughs> of all this, huh? <laughs> oh, boy. Lucy came west with the wagon train companies, and her parents didn't come until later in 1849, and they settled in Davis County, which is just north of Salt Lake City. Lucy gave birth to her first child, a daughter, May 12, 1852, which, of course, dismantles the myth that the polygamous men did not have sex with their wives. According to one account of Utah's Mormon history, when Brigham Young died, he left Lucy well provided for in his will with a comfortable home of her own and, and a comfortable income. However, contrary to these claims, not all of Brigham's widows were well provided for. Uh, in fact, many of his plural wives lived in abject poverty during his life and after he died. Oh, and we'll tell more of Lucy's sister Mary Bigelow's story in our next presentation of his wives. We end this time with a quote about polygamy by Brigham Young. <laughs> From the Journal of Discourses. It is all connected with the exaltation of man, showing how he becomes exalted to be a king and a priest, yea, even a god, like his father in heaven. Without the doctrine that this revelation reveals, no man on earth ever could be exalted to be a god. No and this there, sums up Mormonism. <laughs> it sums up all of Mormonism. It really does. It's all about the exaltation of man. Whereas genuine Christianity is all about the glory and the praise and honor of which Jesus Christ alone is worthy. That's such a key statement. <laughs> mm, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So we will have <laughs> another segment, number part seven of Brigham Young's Plural Wives in the future. Thanks, Earl. You betcha. You bet. <laughs> you know, the biblical book of Amos asks the question in chapter 3, verse 3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? 
In other words, does God, God doesn't walk with someone who disagrees with him or who doesn't believe him. Now, God's testimony fills the Bible. We, we don't need another testimony of his original testimony. And if we don't believe what he said, we can't walk with him. Part of God's testimony is that he created male and female. He brought the two together, making them as one. That's monogamy. And if anyone disagrees with God's decree of monogamy, God cannot walk with them. It's impossible for God to fellowship with those who believe things about him that aren't true. But God's truths are so lovely, they're so peaceful and harmonious that there is no logical reason for us to disagree with everything that he has said. And it's all right there in his testimony, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.